This is a messianic study of the book of Romans. It's given in a midrashic setting, which is audience participation. It was given during the months of June through August 2008. The discussion leader is John Behrens. He's pastor of Restoration Messianic Fellowship. You can reach our website at www.crimsonthread.com. There you can find this study in its entirety as well as other resources for your messianic study of the scriptures. This discussion has been edited and a number of the comments have been either truncated or removed for clarity and continuity. And that's what nobody understood before the fact. That's the mystery. Am I saying that so it's clear? All right, onward. Back to Romans. John, before you go back to Romans, um, Colossians chapter 1, right at the end also, talks about that and kind of um, says it just a little bit differently. I, I think puts a real stamp on it. Um, and I, I'm sure I'm going to like your translation better than mine. What, but, what verse do you look at? Well, I would say, um, you know, you can pick up the context anywhere towards the end of, you know, uh, verse 23. Paul's talking about being made a minister. Okay. And, and then just, you know, just read it right to the end of uh, number 27. All right, so let's pick it up, right, so pick it up uh, at 23. If indeed you continue in the, this is uh, Colossians 1.23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed for in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is the church, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which is given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Messiah in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Messiah. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works with me. Yeah, he's talking, again, the mystery that the Gentiles, but the, the, the thing that, one of the reasons I don't use this is because it doesn't connect it directly to Israel. Okay? The, the Romans passage and the Ephesians passage and the Corinthians passage tie it to Israel. You could read the Colossians pas passage and say Gentiles get salvation, which which they do. I think I think what ties it to uh, to what we read earlier for me here though is where he's talking about um, when earlier we read that had Satan known what the mystery was, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Right. And that mystery being revealed is that when you're saved, it's Christ in you. And so Christ being physically present 
could be in, you know, as a man, could be in one place at one time. But now every place that there's a believer, Christ is present. And that is, in, in, in a nutshell, he made for himself an unwinnable situation. I, I understand what you're saying. And, and again, I don't have time to develop this, but if you read Hebrews, what you discover are there are three orders of priesthood. And three is a significant number. There, there's the order of Melchizedek, which, of which Christ is the only member. And Melchizedek, if you think they're two different people. I don't happen to, but that doesn't mean that it's right. So you have the order of Melchizedek. You have the order of Aaron, which are the ones that are authorized to sacrifice in the earthly tabernacle. And then you have the order of the priesthood of all believers. Each one of those priesthoods has a different venue. Melchizedek, the order is authorized to sacrifice in the heavenly tabernacle of which the earthly one is, is a copy. And he's the only one that's allowed there. He is both priest and king, which the sons of Aaron are not. The sons of Aaron are authorized to sacrifice in the tabernacle or the Mishkan. Nobody which else is. is not. Which Messiah is not. Okay, nobody else is except Levi. And then the third order, which is the priesthood of all believers, are authorized to bring the sacrifice of praise. And what Paul then says is we, our body, have become a tabernacle or a temple. And that's our venue where we can sacrifice. We're not authorized to sacrifice in the temple in Israel. That's the Levites or the, or the sons of Aaron. We're not authorized to sacrifice in the one in heaven. That's the order of Melchizedek. So each of the three orders of priesthood has a completely different venue and a completely different order of sacrifices that it's authorized to bring. Okay? And each of those sacrifices that it's authorized to bring is commanded by God. Okay? So, in fact, the, the priesthood according to Aaron will again resume sacrifices in Israel, in Jerusalem, on the Temple Mount, which they're authorized to do. And the order of Aaron will do that. And that has a completely different set of purposes than the sacrifice of praise we're authorized to bring or the sacrifice of the blood of Messiah, which Yeshua is authorized to bring. It's sort of, and the example I use is the way the Constitution was originally set up, there were three court systems. There's a federal court system, which is authorized to try certain cases and has jurisdiction under certain circumstances. There are the state court systems, which have different jurisdiction, Okay, different set of crimes that they deal with. And then you have local courts in you know, county and, and city courts which are authorized to try yet a different class of, or, or deal with yet a different class of action. I, mean, I, I don't want to limit it to crimes. But each of those courts has a different jurisdiction, a different venue. All three of them dispense perfectly good justice. And the fact that you didn't always have to go to federal court doesn't mean that there was anything inferior about the justice you got in the county court. You got 90 days for drunk driving. Cool. That doesn't go up to the federal court. Okay? And it's the same thing with these three tabernacles. There's three different venues. There are three different orders of priests. And there are three different tables of sacrifice. Back to Romans. Can we go back to Romans now? All right. Let's finish up chapter 11. And I want to back up 26, uh, 11.26. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, that is, as it is written. Notice, all Israel will be saved. 
So at some point, God is going to go back out and get his people and bring them in. Okay? And just like in Egypt, it isn't up to them to decide when that's happening, and it isn't up to them to be good enough to warrant it. It's simply a matter of God's decision and timing. The deliverer will come out, come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. We're talking about the new covenant here. Okay? Torah written on your heart. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake. Who are they in this case? They have shifted. They has at one point been the branches among which you were grafted. In other words, the believing remnant of Israel. Are these the cut-off branches? These are the cut-off branches. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God. Notice who they are enemies of. God, not you. For your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. And again, this is what we're talking about, the root. Okay, the forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And again, that goes back to the riff on Adam. Remember when we did the riff on Adam, where Adam brought death into the world and everybody dies. Doesn't matter how good you are, everybody dies. And that's because Adam brought death into the world. So what God is saying is he has let that system run where we're all sinners in order that he may show mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? That's uh, Job. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Okay. So what I'm asserting here in this chapter 11 is it is contrary to replacement theology. God has not given up on Israel. He will at some point go get them all, just like he did in Egypt, and he will redeem them all and bring them in. In the meantime, in order to make them jealous, God is basically doing the job that Israel was commissioned to do originally, which is take his word to the whole world. Okay? And he's made that possible through the death, sacrifice, and resurrection of his son. And if Satan had understood what the upshot of the death of Messiah was going to be, he never would have done it. And this is a mystery that is known only to God and now to us through Paul after the fact. Oh, and, and, and oh, by the way, this whole riff in chapter 11 is by way, it's addressed to Gentiles, right? And the whole point of this is, you Gentiles have come into the synagogue, you have brought with you your arrogance and your disdain for the Jews. You guys need to lose that attitude. 
because it's the root that supports you, not the other way around. And the fact that some of these guys sitting in the same pew with you and wearing their black gangster hats and curlicues don't understand this Messiah stuff the way you do, you need to get a grip. Okay? It ain't about you and what you understand. It is about Israel. You have been allowed to come in. Hebrews, book of Hebrews is a riff on Psalm 110. Okay? It is, is an exposition on Psalm 110, which is you, you are a priest for, you know, this day I have begotten you, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek and so forth. Uh, how much of all that David understood? I have no idea. Certainly wrote it. You know, Isaiah wrote a whole bunch of things that I don't know that he completely understood. I, I just don't know. Certainly Abraham got saved by believing in the son of promise. And the idea that there was going to be a Messiah starts in the Torah. So certainly they would have understood that there was going to be a Messiah. And in fact, if you read in Judaism, they see two Messiahs, the son of David and the son of Joseph. And they believe that the son of Joseph is going to be the servant. And he's going to come to prepare the way for the son of David, and he's going to die in that process. Okay? And, oh, by the way, who was Yeshua's legal father? Joseph. Okay? And they, 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 I mean, they see all that, and they just don't get it. Some a of them. A lot of them don't. Get it. A lot, some of them do get it. And, and a lot of it may be because of what today's church is has nothing to do with Israel, that's all right. promises are made to Israel. That's right. It, a lot of the problem with modern Judaism is what the church has become. And what Paul is talking against, and it's just ironic, that this same passage of scripture has been used and twisted to turn the church into what it is today. Antinomian, lawless, arrogant. There isn't anything about the Sunday church that will drive an Orthodox Jew to jealousy. Because they look at it and they don't see anything to be jealous of. And a lot of that is based on a misinterpretation of Romans. Which, I, as I say, I just find that terribly ironic because Romans is writing against that. Somebody like closing prayer?